MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I, and this might be an unpopular opinion, I think Kenya should move on from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. But not not for reasons that people think. I love I love Kenya. She is one of the most strikingly beautiful people I've ever seen. But every season, people it's like they get on the show and they want to take shots at Kenya. It's like it's become a storyline at this point. Stay tuned. We'll get into my conversation right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. So raindrops today, you know, look, I'm always in this chipper mood. I get super thrilled to talk about all things reality television. I'm not in the best mood today. I'm scared to ask why not, why you aren't in the best mood. I got some shocking news for you, Jasmine. Are you ready for this? Uh, when it comes to you, no. I'm never ready for shocking news when it comes from Carlos King. But as every other thing, I also don't have a choice. So we got to get into one of the episodes, most recent episodes, I should say, of The Real Housewives of Atlanta and how it was by far the worst episode I've ever seen in the show's franchise. Wait, out of all... 500 million episodes of Atlanta, you have identified a worst episode ever? Absolutely. hmm And I'm not, listen, I'm not happy about it. Oh, my gosh. But we have to discuss it because it was the first time, Jasmine, that I watched an episode and I literally had to turn off the TV, right? I did not watch Married to Medicine, which we'll get into later because that show, honey, is having its best season to me. I love it so much. So it's not even about just like the state of reality TV. I think it's the state of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So it's episode 11 of this season and the episode title was Cabin Fever. Carlos King got a fever fever. Watching the show, (laughs) I was not feeling good. 
after watching that episode, I was in a very bad mood because it was sort of like, remember that dance we used to do <laughs> or game, I should say, in the middle school? And don't try because I know you're 23. I was about to... Th- <laughs> Not 23. We're going to run with that one for real. You reference middle school a lot and it's like, it was a different time for me, baby. So I you have it. to let me know what the dance was that you and your people were doing. Because I don't, I don't even know if I was able to dance yet. <laughs> the shade is real, guys. <laughs> so remember that little tango, that's a tango or whatever? How low can you go? Uh-uh, how low can you go? The limbo? I think it's the limbo. So, I did not think this show could get lower than what it was in episode 12. Gotcha. I was wondering where we were going with that. It was the lowest of lows. And before I get into my whole diatribe about it, do you at least agree with me somewhat about this Cabin Fever episode being horrendous? I will say, I don't know that I would consider it the worst episode in Real Housewives of Atlanta history. What I will say, we are a far cry from the golden days of Atlanta. And we have been for a while. Um, So I imagine it could feel like this entire season is like, what is really happening in Atlanta? But I don't don't know if I'm going to agree with you just yet because we still have the rest of the season to get through. And we're we're not looking good. I'll say that. We ain't looking good right now. Instead of Houston, we have a problem. Atlanta, we have a problem. Jasmine, what made this episode bad to me is because, yes, we've already talked about how the glory days of the Real Housewives of Atlanta is gone. We talked about that after me and Dave Quinn recapped the premiere episode. I gave the premiere episode a B plus because I saw potential in what it could become. Mm -hmm. Marlo was becoming this force to be reckoned with. Not a force multiplier, but a force to be reckoned with. And two episodes of this season, I gave A pluses to. So I've been very um, generous in terms of my honesty about things that are good. So I want to make sure that people know that. The reason why this episode was horrible to me is because anytime you have a cash trip and Marlo is going around acting like she paid for the cabin, she paid for the cars. Hold on. She didn't pay for any of that? Me as a viewer, I didn't know. So let me explain this to you. Anytime there's a cast trip, cast members are not paying for it. Production pays for it. Okay? Okay. I have read that, and I'm sure the listeners will agree. But I, I have also read that when they have like these extravagant upgrades to their accommodations, that the cast members have to pay the difference. So I do think with Marlo's in the, the cabin trip, I do feel like I was assuming she paid for some of it. No, she didn't pay for a thing. And listen, it's always nice for a, a reality star, in this case, a housewife, to have ownership of the trip. You know, like, this is my trip. We're going to do these events, all those things. I think the problem that the viewers are having with Marlo is the fact that, and listen, I've said Marlo's the moment. I said Marlo is saving the season. I still stand by that. But it's like no one shows up to work and wants to work. The fact that they allowed three hours of these women standing outside of this rented Airbnb cabin and arguing about who's going to be in whose car and that nobody stood up and said, this is bullshit. Because my thing is this, 
I have friends and we take trips. In real life, no one's sitting around for three hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know how your friends get down, Jasmine. Y'all are much younger than me, but I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't stand around for three hours, but that's because we also actually like each other when we travel. So Ooh. there's never any friction of that magnitude. But I do think here's the thing with that scene. I think it showed just how petty Marlo is willing to be, which is kind of like essential to telling the story of this beef that she has with Kenya. It feels very lopsided at this point because you can clearly tell that like Kenya isn't really into it like that. But Marlo has so much vitriol for Kenya that it's coming across very dirty. It is coming, like you said, it's coming across very low. And it's leaving us as viewers to wonder like why. It feels like it's a lot deeper, right? Like she's using any instance of Kenya pissing her off just a little bit to really dig deep. And I think we're all wondering like, why exactly are you so hell bent on beefing with Kenya? Is it for a storyline? Do you really have some deep seated hatred for this woman? Like, is it jealousy? What is it? Like we all want to know. I think it's a lot of those things, to be honest with you. I think at the end of the day, Marlo really wants to be friends with Kenya. I agree. Marlo is very sensitive. And when she was on reality with the King, I said that to her, like, you're very sensitive. Marlo really wants Kenya to respect her as a peach holder. That's what all this is, guys. What you guys are watching is Marlo really trying to tell Kenya, I'm meant to be here and you need to respect me. And because we live now in reality TV, which is why now we're breaking the fourth wall on Love & Marriage Huntsville, we're breaking the fourth wall on Love & Marriage DC, the fact that we open up the show saying, we open up the show saying, Monique Samuels is from Potomac Housewives, and this is her second chance at reality TV. Because we weren't going to fool the audience like, oh, I'm from D.C. and I'm married to this former girl by, you're from Potomac. So we we leaned into that. So I wish we could have leaned into Marlo telling Kenya, like, I feel like you don't respect me as a peach holder. You've been allegedly hating on me getting a peach. I have one. I have a trip. You don't want to give me my flowers. And listen, y'all know I love Kenya and the ground she walks on. I do believe a part of what was happening on the trip was Kenya just doesn't like Marlo. And I don't think Kenya believes that Marlo deserves to be on the same stage as she. And that's what we've been watching for this past 12, 13, 14 episodes. I agree, but I don't know. I I partially agree. The way that, that Marlo feels and talks to and just always tries to dig at Kenya, it feels like it's so much more personal than just her not respecting her as a peach holder. I feel like if they weren't on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, I think Marlo just wants, she wants Kenya's approval. Just as a human being, I think Marlo feels like her and Kenya come from the same type of place. They both have really strained relationships with their mother, right? They were raised by other people. Um, They're, you know, around the same age. I think that more than anything, Marlo sees herself in Kenya, but I think she doesn't believe that Kenya respects her as a person. I think Marlo feels inadequate when it comes to Kenya. And because of that, she really wants Kenya to accept her and like her as a contemporary. And I think she thinks that Kenya looks down on her. It begs the question, what does another season look like if that's going to be the case? Because Kenya has said publicly that Marlo said things about Kenya's child that they did not air because it was that bad. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. 
So that's the issue. And when people want to talk about editing, whatever, you know, cast members love to bring that up, even on my shows. I will say at least for that particular episode, what would have helped is if Kenya could have said her confessionals, Marlo just said something super disgusting about my child and I'm done. So that way we could understand why she was so hell-bent on not being around her or messing with her. But because, A, we are being fooled that she paid for this trip, Marlo, B, there's, like Jasmine said, there's something deeper to this relationship that you guys aren't talking about. And three, we now know that Marlo allegedly said something super horrible about Brooklyn, where Kenya said publicly, there's nothing for me and Marlo to ever talk about ever again. That's how bad it was. Is there a future of this show with Marlo and Kenya if Kenya refuses to ever give Marlo the time of day? I don't think so. I, and this might be an unpopular opinion, I think Kenya should move on from The Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> but not not for reasons that people think. I, lo- I love Kenya. She is one of the most strikingly beautiful people I've ever seen. But every season, people, it's like they get on the show and they want to take shots at Kenya. It's like, it's become a storyline at this point. Who can beef with Kenya? Like you you all come for the same things with her. Like she doesn't have a man, her butt, like all of this. And it's like, still, it feels stale to me at this point. And it feels like they're just doing it because it's low-hanging fruit. Not that Kenya is low-hanging fruit, but there are a lot of these things that they feel like they can say about her because she plays the villain role, right? So I think Kenya should move on from the show and let them find somebody else to play with because they're playing with my girl and I really don't like it because while Kenya presents um, as a strong woman, I know that all of these things can't be good on her mental health. Like, she's going through a really tumultuous divorce with her husband, who is the father of her child. And then you t- are telling me that Marlo said something about her child. How much lower can you get? And how much more can this woman take? I don't like seeing people just getting beat up on like that. And she, she holds her own. Don't get me wrong. She holds her own. And I think throughout the seasons, we've seen her really play up this villain role and like, there have been times with Kenya where I'm like, no, you totally deserve that, Reed. Or that argument was justified. But at this point, it feels like people come on here and their direct line is to try to fuck with Kenya. And I don't, I'm not a fan of that part. So if if Marlo stays, I think Kenya should move on because it's going to be another season of Marlo trying to get under Kenya's skin. And I don't want to keep seeing that. Woo, girl, you just, I, I, I mean, I think your <laughs> comment is way more controversial <laughs> than mine. Ooh. But I love Kenya. I would love to see her on something else where, where people aren't constantly trying to like tear her down every scene. Um, I would love to keep seeing her, but I don't like what's happening with Atlanta and how they're they're doing her. It's not fair. And like you said, one thing about Kenya and the reason why she was number four on the greatest housewives of all time list of mine is because, like you said, she's a fun villain. She makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's been times I'm like, Kenya, you tried it. But she owns it and she apologizes and she keeps it moving because she wants to make a great show. Wow. Ooh, I didn't... Guys, I didn't know she was going to say that. I'm actually gagging, but I'm trying (laughs) to collect my thoughts like how I collect my coins. So look. (laughs) Do you think Marlo should get another season as a peach Well, uh, 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 uh. I want to... Uh-huh. This is why I love talking to Jazz because she and I are like yin and yang. I was going to ask you that. So are you saying... Because girl, are you saying that you would prefer have the show continue without Kenya or would you like it to continue without Marlo? Mm, 
Oh, that's that's tough. That's tough because had I not known that Marlo said something about uh, Brooklyn, Kenya's daughter, I don't know if I would feel as strongly about maybe us not seeing her full time next season. But like when you talk about people's children, a baby, like kids are off limits. And if you said something that was so vile that it could not be aired, that is not shade to me. That's that is evil. That is just low for even reality TV. Like you need to go over to, I don't know, Zeus or some. And and this is this is all like I going into this season, I was really happy to see Marlo, right? And I think Marlo can provide really good TV. But I think she said it when she was on your show. She's like, I can't read, so I go low and I go for the jugular. But there was a time when Atlanta, as much shade as they <laughs> as shady as they have been, there was a time when like this would be considered too low brow, I think. Um, to talk about somebody's children in child in that way. And I know there's been comments like Nini talked about Kim's kids. <laughs> like they have, there have been comments, but those kids were grown if I'm not mistaken. Or no, not. when Nini spoke about Brielle, Brielle was over the age of 18 and Nini, Nini brought her up because Brielle alleged that Nini had cockroaches in her house. Right. And then Nini went in. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat what she said, but Nini went in and she felt like you're over the age of 18 so I could go in Right. So when you're over 18, you are an adult. Okay. So you might catch a stray or two, but baby, come on now, Marlo. And like I said, I was really excited for Marlo. I think she has some really good moments, even this season. Like you had a whole episode about how she is the moment, but hearing that I'm just like, I don't know that I want somebody want to watch someone who's willing to go that low. Yeah. And I think it's an opportunity for Marlo to grow. And listen, I don't know what she said exactly. So everything is speculation. Mm -hmm. But I do think at the end of the day, one thing I've always known about those women working with them since season one, they have one cardinal rule that kids are off limits. And, And Marlo, if you're listening, I think at the end of the day, you should apologize to Kenya if you said something about her child. Again, it's all speculation. I'm basing this off of what Kenya said in other interviews. But I do agree with you, Jasmine, in terms of I just don't know what the future of the show can be with those two coexisting unless there's a a heartfelt apology at the reunion. That's what's going to be needed in order for them to move on. But I want to ask my raindrops, and I want you guys to tweet me, hashtag reality with the king. I have a question. Who would you choose to move on with the show, Kenya or Marlo? Do you guys think both can coexist? And if not, who should stay? Who should leave between Kenya and Marlo? Let us know and make sure you hashtag reality with the king. We'll be right back after some quick ads. This is Reality with the King. We got to talk about a dog with a bone, Drew. You know what? Drew is 11.45 p.m., okay? Late, honey. (laughs) Very late. Very, very late. It feels so forced to me at this point girl you brought props like you know we're and we're reality tv fanatics we're not opposed to a good prop but it just felt so extra and so forced like you were really trying to have a moment and she did it and i was looking at my tv like you know what i should turn this shit off right now because at this point what i'm watching a i'm watching a, a musical i'm watching some type of like urban uh 
<laughs> music. I watch a mother's love. Okay. That's it was giving very like I'm I'm acting. I'm giving you stage play. Like I just I wasn't feeling that moment at all. It was it was way too much. Like and here's the thing about Drew. I think Drew has a lot of potential, but she just does the most. She does the most. And it makes it really hard to root for a character when I feel like every time the camera is on you, you're like, how can I get a moment? How can I become iconic? You become an icon by just really being yourself, not being over the top the way that Drew has been. Like, and she's and she's so pretty. I think she has a beautiful voice. She has a nice family. Like, there are so many other things about Drew that you can stand for, but she's trying to make us stand her as this, like, Super shady. I know how to read down. And it, it's always feeling forced. But I will say this. That moment in the season when when uh, Sonya or Sanya. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Go uh, ahead, right? child. When she was just doing the most about Drew, she made me go over to Drew's side. Because I was like, Mama, you are being so unlikable right now that I'm, I have to root for Drew in this moment because she really wasn't doing anything to you. And you were trying to get a moment. But yeah, that dog with the bone shit, girl, don't ever. Do not ever do that shit again. I'm still stuck on 11.59. Late, honey. <laughs> that may have been the best read I've ever heard on Reality with the King. Stop And it. I am standing for it. I could not agree with you more. I, too, am hard on Drew because I see so much potential in her. And I feel like that's when you need a producer to say to you, Girl, that was late, and you are late, and that's not okay. And let me tell y'all what I used to do when I was working on that particular show, because producing The Real Housewives of Atlanta is the hardest job in reality television. There's a lot of pressure to make the show great. The fans put so much pressure to make sure that the show has a great season, but someone should have told Drew this isn't a movie set. This isn't, like you said, a mother's love. Or in this case, the dog bounty hunter. Like, you are so unlikable because you're not being yourself and you feel like in order for you to be relevant and, and a peach holder, you have to do these extremities. And that, to me, is just a larger conversation about this season. No one's having real conversations anymore. No one's mm -hmm. having real-life moments of vulnerability. My favorite scene so far is when Marlo and Sheree had that sisterhood moment where she told Sheree, you're better than dating a guy who was staying you up in Philly. Yeah. I enjoyed the moment when Candy gave Sheree business advice about She by Sheree. We're missing those natural moments. I feel like this season was do or die for a lot of these women. And I feel like they are behaving in a way where they think having an argument, it means a scene is good. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you guys, newsflash, the reason why people love white refrigerator moment from NeNe Leakes <laughs> is because it was a natural moment. When um, Cynthia and NeNe had that moment in Savannah where NeNe made a comment about Cynthia's parenting that made Cynthia cry, it was a natural moment. Gone are the days of these women just sitting down, enjoying each other's company. And I feel like everybody is looking for a moment. Everybody's looking for a read. I am so fucking pissed off at every single housewife on that franchise. 
who had the audacity to say in an interview, this was a great season because it's not. You're saying they were lying to us. In my Maury Povich voice, <laughs> the lie detector states that was a lie. And, and, uh, and the reason why I'm pissed is because y'all know the difference between good, desperate, and a moment. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I'm so passionate about that is because you're letting future reality stars think like, okay, well, if I argue with a bitch, that's a good scene. Or if I bring a prop of a dog bone, that's a good scene. Or if I hit below the belt, that's a good scene. No, that's not what it is. The reason why the Love and Marriage franchise is doing well, thank you, God, is because those are real-life moments. Melody Martell infidelity situation. Tisha and Marceau's marriage. You know, Kimmy and Tisha's relationship as sister-in-laws. Like, it's stuff that you are invested in because it's real-life moments. And the fact that this season only had one moment of vulnerability pisses me off. And it's to the point now where I no longer know if I'm able to get recaps on this season anymore after that bullshit that I watched. Well, that was a mouthful from you. Um, Very strong feelings, very strong opinions. I have rebuttals, if you will. Candy and Kenya are doing exactly what they have been doing. They they know what to do. I think, you know, people, we can say whatever we want about Candy. Um, I think Candy always has something going on, and that's always going to make her a, a great contender for a reality TV show. Because there's always something that you can film with Candy. You know, Kenya, she's going to play your villain, but she's also someone you just love looking at her on TV. She's going to interact. She's going to do that. So they are kind of doing exactly what we know them to do. It's the newer girls that I think are not really, they don't really fit the bill right now. And I think what Atlanta needs, honestly, for me, um, a complete overhaul of the cast. I would not be opposed to them coming back next season with a completely new cast. Now, I know they're going to need to keep one or two people just to like make it feel like the same show, but I would not be opposed to that. I will watch that. Um, the other correction for you, there have there ha- moments on Love and Marriage Huntsville, though, where I'm like, that was a little theatrical. Tell me. And I'll, and I'll, let's talk about it. Give me an example. I got coins to make, not friends to fake. (laughs) I was like, girl, I know you knew the cameras was going to be there and you wanted to get that line off. I know you were waiting on that, (laughs) on that moment. But let me stop you there. (laughs) I'm fine with you having a rehearsed read. That's a quote. I'm cool with that. But again, that's what Atlanta was known for. Like, Very true. Half of Phaedra's reads were rehearsed. No shade. Facts. So I don't mind a rehearsed read. Don't give me a rehearsed prop. Okay. As you all like to really correlate everything with Zodiac signs, I'm a Libra, so I'm balanced. So if we're going to give it to one one cast, we're going to give it to the other. All the girls on reality TV right now are searching for moments. They want to be these iconic reality TV stars. Like, are we done with the day of like the organic reality TV icon? Is that a thing of the past? Can we have that again? Are we going to get our Nene Leaks, our Tiffany uh, Pollards? Like, are we going to get those girls ever again? That's a very good question. And I will say this to you. Yes. Okay. And again, not to toot my own horn. When you look at Ashley Silva from Love and Marriage DC, who is a natural and she speaks her mind and is off the cuff. When you look at Winter Williams, I haven't seen since Danielle Staub and Kenya Moore a woman 
who walks barefoot on a line of hot coals and continues to enter the scene, knowing that there may be all of this visceral that's coming her way. So I do think there can be. I'm going to say this, and this may be controversial, but it's my truth. I think it's much more challenging from the Housewives franchise because everybody is afraid of losing their job. And they feel like if I need to hold this peach, hold this diamond, hold this apple, this champagne flute, or whatever, I have to be great immediately or I'm going to get fired like Noella, Dr. Jen, Shamari, Claudia Jordan. You know, these one-season housewives. I think everybody does not want to be a one-season housewife So their desperation comes across so clear. And my other example for you, Jasmine, is Lisa Renna had this stupid-ass argument with Sutton in her backyard where I thought I was watching Days of Our Lives, Young and the Restless, (laughs) All My Children, Passions, and maybe a little bit of Pretty Little Lies. I was like, she gave such a weird performance where she said, I'm going to take you down. And then in two seconds laughed and said, oh, I'm drunk. No one did anything because they all knew, Lisa, you're acting. Gone are the days where you are naturally yourself. And I think the fear for these housewives is I don't want to lose my job because I don't want to be unemployed. So I got to be desperate and just have a moment. You mentioned like Ashley and Winter. I mean, think of your top five greatest reality TV stars of all time. That bar is high as hell. Nobody in one season is ever going to be up there for me. Nobody. I need to see a lot more from you um, before I can ever kind of like bestow that title on on somebody in their rookie season. Agreed. Just so I'm clear, I wasn't saying they are that now. I was saying they have potential, potential to be to that. that. Sure. And like, I also think Melody Hope is somebody that has potential to be somebody. Oh, you disagree? No, I, I, I think that Melody comes across on TV. I can tell that Melody is very aware of how she is being perceived when she's on camera. And there's nothing wrong with that as a person. Right. Because I'm perception is everything. Right. In my opinion, that's going to really stifle Mel from ever becoming like iconic on reality TV. I think what happened, like the situation around her is something that is like historic. It's like reality TV history. Right. But I think her as a person, I think once she became aware that like everything about her was being kind of picked apart and being talked about. She's a different person in the season that I'm seeing um, with Love and Marriage Huntsville. And I don't know if that she loosens up a bit in the second half that is coming September 10th. But I, I think I have been watching her maybe like last season in this, the first half of this season saying like she's different. But I, I agree with you when she first came on the scene, she did have the makings of everything that I think we all want. Beautiful, amazing family, not afraid to like jump right into conflict with people. And then the big scandal happened like that right there already puts you a step above the rest because now you're giving us story and it's not fake. That's your real life. And it's unfortunate that your real life has become our entertainment, but she had all the makings and it was like, I don't know if the divorce took a toll on her, the opinions of everybody watching, but she's a different person now than she was before. So I don't know that I can feel like she's still on her way to that iconic label. Okay. What I will say is you're going to see a new side of her in this upcoming season. Like you said, that air September 10th. And I think you're going to see the old Melody Holt. And I'll just leave it at that. But, I welcome but, that. But um, 
I agree with you in the sense of we just need to get back to reality stars just being real. And that's the reason why you and I love this new College Hill reboot on BET that has Nene Leaks back on television. <laughs> yes, greatest housewife of all time. But tell me why you love College Hill Celebrity Edition so much. It, it just feels fresh to me. And I think that is also what's missing. Um, I think the other thing is I've really had to manage my expectation. And this is kind of even going back into that conversation about who is iconic. I think we got iconic reality TV stars because they were just kind of the first of their kind, right? We had never seen a New York on TV before, never seen a Nene Leaks on TV before. So I think they were able to become staples um, because we just hadn't seen them. And like when I was watching the first couple episodes of College Hill, I was like, okay, I know it's a reboot of the show College Hill, but the concept just felt fresh. It's like, we're taking these celebrities and we're sending them back to college and like they actually have to attend classes for credit and grades. And it was like, hey, this is something that I want to watch. Like, is it is it the most entertaining thing I've ever seen on television? No, but the concept feels fresh. And I think that's just what I'm looking for. Like we talked about like watching women go to lunch and then get mad and throw drinks on each other or, you know, go to each other's birthday parties. Like for, for me, College Hill is putting us in a completely different arena. And with people that I really didn't think I cared to know more about. Outside of Nene Leakes, I mean, I love watching Ray J. I feel like Ray J is forever entertaining. But you know, I never really thought twice about like seeing Lamar Odom on TV again after we saw him like with Chloe all those years ago. Um, India Westbrook is on there. She's just a beautiful girl that I've seen on Instagram. I never had the urge to want to know more about her outside of the fact that that's a beautiful woman. Like Dream Doll, she was on Bad Girls Club, but she was on there after I had already started watching. So I just kind of wrote her off too. It's like I hadn't, I wasn't interested when she was on TV. Um, but what the show has done is like, especially with India, you have to watch like her storyline and like kind of some of the things that she shares on there feel really personal. And so I think it's just a fresh take on a concept and then also like a cast that it's made me interested in people that I don't think I would have normally been interested in. I agree with everything you're saying about that. In addition to the fact that gone are the days where women have lunch and argue and then throw drinks, right? Which is also why Married to Medicine is having, to me, its best season. And that's nine seasons in. And I think the reason why Marathon Medicine is one of the top two, I'm going to say it, best shows on Bravo is because those women are still real, mm -hmm. although they've been on reality TV for so long. Toya still gives me Toya from season one. <laughs> Heavenly is a ham. Quad is somebody who I felt was conscious of the cameras at one point yeah. in time, right? Dr. Jackie and Simone, that's a stellar cast. Contessa, this season is so good. And I really want people to know how good it is. You got to watch it. It's, it goes to show you that an ensemble cast of women can be on TV for almost 10 years and still have relatability qualities in them. Married to Medicine worked and has always worked because I feel like they are friends in the off season. Like, I feel like they actually interact with each other. When Simone and Dr. Jackie were beefing, I was like, y'all better make the fuck up 
Like I'm I'm not living in a world where Dr. Jackie and Simone are not friends. Like when Cecil and Simone were like having their marital issues, I'm like, y'all better make the fuck up because I'm not living in a world where Cecil and Simone are not married. You know what I mean? Like they feel like such a community and that I think is what works. I was very turned off. I feel like Contessa was severely overreacting to Heavenly in her home. Like it was, it was a lot for me. <laughs> it was so much for me because yes, the general consensus is that yes, uh, Contessa, she exposed her marriage last season and that was for all of us to watch, but it wasn't for, for Heavenly as her friend to go on YouTube and start talking shit about like, you just <laughs> don't do that. And I kind of understand what Heavenly's saying. Heaven, Heavenly's like, look, you let the cameras capture it, but like you're her friend. Some things are just off limits, girl. But I do think that Contessa was just doing the most when she was confronting Heavenly. But outside of that, though, they they are having a really, a really good season. <laughs> yes, agree. Because I was like, I didn't know Contessa and Heavenly were that close. So it was very weird to me to see Contessa react that way in the Barney wig. No shade to Heavenly's wigs. <laughs> I think all the other wigs look good. That purple one, Heavenly, I will discontinue with the sticker number and the QR code. I was also lost. Like, she's running to her bedroom. She shut the door. I'm like, all because of, of Heavenly? Like, I didn't know y'all two were that tight. But I really want Contessa and Heavenly to work on their friendship because Heavenly is one of the greatest Maritime Medicine stars in the world. And not saying that the show can't survive without her, I really think Maritime Medicine is a show where they all need each other. Like, it's a true ensemble cast where they all support each other. There's no Queen Bee to me, which is great. You would think it's Dr. Jackie because she's just somebody that they all sort of, like, defer to. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they are a great team of players. They are, but I could do without Anila. Like, if they come back next season and she's not there, I would not think twice about that. We never mentioned her until you did because I forgot she was a part of the cast. And I think when I see her scenes, I'm like, you're on the wrong show, sis. Like, It doesn't feel natural. Like, she doesn't feel like no. a natural fit. And we have a lot of new cast members and, you know, come on later in seasons and they just end up gelling or meshing really well with the rest of the cast. Anila just is not sticking for me. And I don't know, something about her feels like that, that whole stunt that they pulled at the Halloween party... There's so much that could be said about Toya and Eugene's response to that and what's really going on with their finances. But the biggest thing that I walked away from that with is that it felt very mean-spirited. Like, it did not feel like I'm just poking shade at you. It felt like I really want to, like, dig in. Like, I know y'all moved out of the neighborhood. Like, we have this big-ass house. Y'all don't have yours anymore. There's speculation that there's some issues with your finances. I want to take the knife, not only just stick it in your back, but I want to turn that bitch I want to turn Not a shank. It. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's what that felt like to me. It was like, and, and that's, that's like my overall problem. It goes back to like the Atlanta conversation. Shit is starting to feel really low and like mean. And it's like, it doesn't feel like fun shade anymore. It feels like you're really trying to like make Toya and Eugene go home and like cry in their rental home. And that's not cool to me. Yes. Stop titling her home as a rental home. It's so disrespectful. Y'all don't do it to Dorit on Beverly Hills. Don't do that to Toya. She's honest about her home being rented. Like, like stop it. I, I think that's so low blow and, and it's low brow. All the rest of these girls renting their homes and their husbands and their storylines. 
Jasmine, we talked a lot about these reality shows, but before I let you go, the new season of Bell Collective is currently airing Fridays at 9 o'clock A Central on the Oprah Winfrey Network. You caught the first episode. So give me your very quick recap of what you think about this season. I am excited. Um, you know, congrats to you for getting a second season. I think the first season of Bell Collective, I didn't finish. And I'll tell you why. They are kind of unlikable to me. When we talk about people who are very aware of cameras being around them, very aware of what their perception will be, very much are trying to make sure they cement themselves as suitable reality TV figures. Most of those ladies on there feel like that for me. I think the only one that didn't was Tamara. Just off the rip, it was like, it's just, they felt mean, when we talk about Southern bills and Southern women, like it's like warm. They want to make you biscuits. They want to feed you like a lot of the bell collective ladies in the first season just came off. Like they were all really like kind of competing with each other. They wanted to be like super just catty and it wasn't endearing. And that's the thing. When I watch reality TV, the things that I love most about people, even when they are shady and kind of mean sometimes that they have like redeemable qualities, I didn't feel like I was able to get that from those ladies. But what I will tell you is watching the first episode of season two, Marie, season one, she was the one I was like, she is so mean. Like she was just so mean. Like it was hard to watch for me. But now knowing what I know about her, even just, you know, her mom, like the situation with her mom, her son losing his child's mother. She has a lot on her plate. And I think that can weigh anybody down. And so I think I'm coming into the second season just with like a different perspective and wanting to really give them a chance. Letitia, right? Like the whole, I'm a boss. I'm a bo Like I have, you know, feelings about that, <laughs> that we don't have time for. But it just, you know, it didn't come off like super authentic to me, but I want to give them a chance. Uh, they're beautiful, you know, beautiful black women, like really trying to do stuff in Jackson, Mississippi. So I really want to give them a chance. So I'm locked in for season two, but season one, I was like, I, I, I can't get with these ladies. Yeah. And listen, thank you for your honesty. And a lot of people felt that season one of Bell Collective, that they were mean and it was the pettiness of the wig drama and the hair. So I will say this season is a much different season. The concentration is definitely more on the couples. And you really get to see these friendships form. And it's much more organic. It's much more interesting to see how they all navigate their relationships, their career. So I'm happy you liked the first episode of this new season. Because, girl, it is going to be a roller coaster ride. So stay tuned. I'm locked in for the bells. Jasmine, we had a lot. We did. We always are getting into it. <laughs> getting into Are you ready shows. for the shade that's going to come your way? <laughs> I'm, I'm never ready. Matter of fact, let me go deactivate all my shit right now because just like Marlo, okay, I am sensitive as well. So don't come, at, don't come for me because of my opinion. <laughs> yes, yes. And last but not least, congratulations, Tamara Judge for getting your orange back is well-deserved. As you know, me and Jasmine are huge fans of yours. Yes. We love you and super duper congrats. Thoughts? 
opinions, email me at realitywiththeking at stitcher.com or leave me a voicemail at 310-593-8188. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, engineering and music by Marcus Ham. More Sauce.